Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. We have an outstanding conversation teed up this morning focused on the aviation industry. Of course, a big part of global supply chain. In fact, many folks may be surprised at just how much air cargo is moved in the belly of passenger planes each and every day. Now, along those lines, we're going to be speaking today with a pioneering pilot and aviation leader to learn more about what she sees each and every day as well as uh, learn a lot more about her journey into uh, the trailblazing and exploits that she does with um, Commute Air. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in Sashery Shelton, airline captain with Commute Air. Sash, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? It is so cool to finally sit down with you. As, as you know, I'm a big fan of James and Dr. Kim Moore. I've, I've had your parents, I've had the honor of collaborating with them as part of my journey. Brilliant people. Uh, I love your mom's take on leadership. I think she she joined us for a webinar way back uh, way back when. So I'm not surprised that their daughter is is doing big things in, in industry. <laughs> yes, I do have wonderful parents. Um, I'm a very blessed child. I grew up, I actually grew up with four parents, right? So we don't, we don't have step parents in, in our household. So I'm very blessed to have uh, two moms and two dads and they are all extraordinary people. So, you know, they expect nothing less of their children. You've been blessed. So you just have, uh, you got four folks holding you to a standard instead of two. I love that. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk more about that. Um, Sash, let's talk about where you grew up and you got to give us some anecdotes about your upbringing. So I grew up in Tampa, Florida and, um, man, so I grew up in a very, uh, conservative Christian household. I went to private school, um, all of my life. Wow. And, um, we, I grew up in Grace Family Church here in Tampa Bay. My parents all go to the same church. They're okay. all leaders in the same church. <laughs> so I would grow up a church kid, um, just sparked an interest in aviation. And most of my life has just been God-fearing sports and airplanes. Okay. God-fearing sports and airplanes. Let's So you, uh, before we get into the airplanes part, I want to, uh, growing up in Tampa, I mean, growing up on the coast, uh, you know, that, that, that's gotta be a really cool thing. Cool place to be as a kid. Uh, tell us what, what was that like? I love the water. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, I, I grew up on the beach. So anytime I didn't have a sporting event on the weekend, which was rare. Oh, mom, can I go to the beach? Can I go to the beach? Can I go to the beach? <laughs> so I loved going to the beach. And when I was in high school and I was finally able to drive a car, you better believe there were only a few, you know, there were restrictions as to where I could go as a 16 year old. However, the beach was one of those places I wanted to go. So I love being near the water. I love the food, food. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, let's, so that's one of our favorite topics to talk about, right? <laughs> Beyond the beach is the food. So if there was one dish 
Sash, if there's one dish that you that grew up with you that was inseparable from your upbringing, what would that be? Oh, now see, we're also, I'm from Tampa by way of Louisiana. Oh, so. man, <laughs> love it. I, so Cajun food is near and dear to my heart. And my dad, don't let him, don't be fooled by him. He loves a good <laughs> pot of gumbo. Um, so I, I grew up on all things seafood. So being in, being in Tampa, that's a, a great place to get fresh seafood. Now, as a Tampa native, something that you can get here that's really good is some fresh caught red snapper. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. So oh, yeah. delicious as far as Tampa. But as far as, you know, just culturally being, you know, from Louisiana as well, I will eat a whole, you boil a <laughs> pot of crawfish and I will dump it on the table with some potatoes and corn and oh, have boy. at it. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay. You're making me really hungry, man. Uh, gosh, to, to, to be able to grow up not only in Tampa, but also to take advantage of your Louisiana roots uh, from a food standpoint, that's gotta be kind of getting your cake and eat it too. Um, all right. So one last question, and then we'll, I want to move into kind of your professional journey. You doing big things there. You mentioned sports. You played a lot of sports as a kid. What was what was your favorite sport and, and what position did you play? Okay, so that's kind of a trick question. Okay. <laughs> I guess it depends on who you have. So my actual favorite sport was soccer. Loved, love, love soccer. But I was just naturally better at basketball. So I did both. So I was a small forward and a shooting guard in basketball. And I was left def- a left defender in soccer. Okay. And in Florida, unfortunately, they're the same season. So I would, basketball was the primary. And as long as I played four district games during the season for soccer, I still got to be considered a, a player. So I split my time between those two. Man. Um, so you stayed really, really busy. It sounds like as a youth. Um, one, one additional question, because team sports, you know, every time I sit down with someone that grew up uh, playing organized sports, they talk about um, how it impacted their view, uh, their teamwork ability, their leadership, how they collaborate with others. Did you experience the same thing? Did those experiences playing, you know, team sports impact your professional journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. So being an aviator, it's all about teamwork. I mean, and there's a lot of leadership involved. And now that I'm a, a new, newly upgraded captain, a lot of the skills that I learned and developed in my younger years and early developmental years have definitely carried over into the cockpit. Absolutely. Mm, mm. So airline captain, man, I am so jealous. Uh, as I shared with you pre-show, <laughs> I wanted to fly um, as a kid and wanted to go to the Naval Academy right after I saw Top Gun. Uh, as probably the rest of uh, the world, right? Um, but let's talk about your, um, as a kid, you've kind of shared some things you were involved with. When did you first uh, identify, How? what's the earliest moment you're telling yourself, gosh, I want to fly jets when I get older? Oh, man. So it's funny you say, if you ask me this question, I was just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And this is kind of a combo of a few things that I think you're going to ask me. So I was 13 years old, connecting, making a connecting flight to get to Lafayette, Louisiana, to go visit my grandmother. Okay. And so my mom and I were in the airport and I think I was in trouble for something, you know, (laughs) you know, 13 year old girl, (laughs) probably being flippant, who knows, you know, kind of one of those things. 
and my mom and all I cared about was sports, sports, sports. I don't want to do anything else. I don't care about school, sports, sports, sports. So my mom says, well, you need to really start thinking about what you want to be when you grow up. You really need to start diversifying yourself. You can't just be all basketball and soccer. And I'm like, oh, of course. Well, literally, as we're having that conversation, the first female pilot I'd ever seen is walking by and she meets up with another female pilot. And my jaw is literally like, and I'm like, is that a pilot? And I asked my mom, yeah, she's a pilot. And that pilot, her name is Stephanie Grant. She's a black female pilot. She was on the, the, all, the first all black female flight crew. Wow. So I saw her talking and I was just like, well, I think I want to be a pilot. Kind of being a little flip, but kind of being cute, you know, 13 year old girl being cute. <laughs> and my mom said, okay, you want to be a pilot. That's a good career. So we get on the plane. Guess who my pilot is? Stephanie Grant. Stephanie Grant. Man. So I peek my head in the cockpit and she was the first officer at the time. And I said, oh, look at all the pretty buttons and knobs. I can touch all this. This is so cool. And I just thought it was so cool. And she was so nice and sweet. And um, her captain was really cool. He was a really nice guy. And oh, yeah. Telling my mom, get her involved in camps. You know, there's all this stuff going on, all these camps. Stephanie's telling my mom about camps. So we get on the plane and we land Lafayette and that's it. So now it's the following year and summer rolls by. So my mom signs me up for uh, like a, a leadership, a lead America camp that I went to. So I went to lead America camp and it was a week long and it was in Oklahoma city and they exposed you to all things aviation, right? All things hmm. aviation, all things flying. And I was like, Oh man, this is really cool. So then the next year I said, mom, can I go to another camp again? Because I really liked that camp. So she said, yeah, let me look into it. Well, my mom's signing me up for this camp called um, ACE Academy. Okay, so Lead America and then ACE Academy. And then ACE Academy. So at ACE Academy, though, what was unique about ACE Academy is that I would actually get to fly an airplane, right? So that was, you know, when you're 15 years old, that's that's like, what? I get to fly an airplane? (laughs) So you apply, you apply and they do, um, there's a whole application process and you have to put together a resume and, you know, 14 years, 15 at the time, actually 15 years old, trying to put together a resume was a big thing and filling out an application. And I was selected as one of the kids to go to this camp and it was in Atlanta and it was a week long and there were hundreds of kids and it was held by Delta Airlines and Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals. So they partnered together and put on this camp and they sponsored it for all these kids to go. And I went and guess who I see first day of camp? Stephanie Grant. Stephanie Grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, so can I, for a second there, if I can interject for a second, you know, going all the way back to you and your mom in that airport when you were 13 years old and you first saw uh, Stephanie Grant, even before you met her, you know, we talked pre-show the, you know, if we've heard anything through um, almost a thousand interviews here on the main channel and, and lots of uh, hundreds of others and then our other um, um, channels, a constant theme of see it to be it, right? See it to be it. And gosh, if you're, if that, if your story there, that's led you clearly just seeing and connecting with, you know, that, that what became a role model in the aviation industry, and look at the impact. Look, we're going to touch on this in a second, but you are the only black female captain at Commute Air. 
you're being, you're, you're that see it to be it figure for so many others. Um, so do you ever look back and on that moment as a 13 year old and just um, accept the impact that it had on your trajectory in life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really, it really struck home. Um, a month ago, I was doing um, a camp, a kid's camp um, with um, Sisters of the Skies in Houston. And um, Stephanie is on the board of Sisters of the Skies. And I've seen her around, you know, kept in touch. I mean, she's, she's an outstanding individual. And um, I had, I was a team lead of a group of 13 year old girls, 12 and 13 year old girls, and they're running all around and they're excited just like I was. And they're at their first flight camp where they get to get and fly in airplanes and kind of the same thing that I did, but except for this camp, what Sisters of the Skies was for one day. And they're asking me, oh, Sash, how did you get to flying? And so Stephanie was like, yeah, how'd you get into flying? And Stephanie was standing right there. And I shared that story and she started to tear up. And then, well, she cried. So it made me cry and I'm crying. So now the girls are crying. And so now we just have all these female aviators in the room crying. And she's just like, she knew a little bit because she kind of remembered me and she kind of remembered me from camp. And she saw me passing through the terminal a couple of times, said, always spoke, said, hello, how you doing? But she never really realized how much of an impact she had on my journey. And then in that moment to stand there with these young girls who I am now doing the same thing with these young girls that Stephanie did for me, that, that moment hit. And it just was like, wow, like you see it to believe it. I mean, that, that is every, that is entirely see it to believe it right there. I mean, and it really did. It definitely hit home. It did. I appreciate I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, what a special moment. And, and gosh, if I'm Stephanie Grant, uh, to know that that not just you, I'm sure there's lots of others that she inspired to do different things in the aviation industry and beyond. So um, let's talk for a minute. So you, you mentioned some of those camps. So for any of our listeners that want to maybe get into the aviation industry or maybe parents that might be listening and they're looking to kind of fuel their kids' passions, it sounds like Lead America, Ace Academy. What else, what other resources would you put out there? Oh, man. So now with the way that the industry is moving, I mean, there are camps popping up left and right. I mean, United Airlines, for one, is there. They've decided a program called Aviate. So I would tell parents to look into Aviate for their kids, even okay. adults. I mean, no matter what level you're at in life, whether you're a teenager getting ready to, you know, at the end of high school career, getting ready to go to college or you're in college or you're a professional, doesn't matter how old you are, look into, look into that program. I mean, United's doing, they're, they're moving and shaking when it comes to trying to get more aviators in the industry. So is Delta Airlines. Mm. Um, Delta Airlines, I mean, that's how I got started flying was with Delta Airlines and Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals partnering up and creating camps like the Sisters of the Skies. They have camps. They do, I think they do two, maybe two a year. I know they do one in the spring and the summer, I think, um, called Grow but that's for girls. That's for young ladies. Um, okay. Since it's sisters of the skies, they take, they focus on young ladies. Um, that's kind of their goal. Um, organization of black aerospace professionals. They typically gear towards a people of color. However, you do not have to be a person of color. If you apply, they will accept, they will look through your application just like they would anyone else. Um, Lead America. I'm not, I haven't been in touch with them in years, but I would look into that. A lot of, there are a lot of local airports that have programs. So, I mean, a lot of people think that aviation is just so 
unattainable, right? They just, they just see it. It's expensive. It's time consuming. It's hard. I don't have the resources when in all actuality, it is out there. Right. You just really, I mean, really just type in a Google search, local flight school, Mm. aviation camps. The big cities always have them. Like Houston has tons of camps. Atlanta has tons of camps. You'll find camps in Chicago, DC, places like that. And, and they're free. That's what people don't understand. Wow. Is that all these camps that I went to as a kid were all free. Man. Well, and there's there's a, ton, a big need for pilots, which I'm assuming is part of the reason why there's there's a plethora of all these resources to get folks involved and get them trained up and, and on their way. So um, I appreciate you sharing all those resources. Um, you mentioned a second ago uh about where you got your start, official start. So after you got trained up, after you maybe earned your wings, if that's not too cliche, what was your first paid role, your your first job in the aviation industry as you broke in? So my first job in the aviation industry was actually working at a local FBO. So I graduated from college with my commercial multi-certificate, but I still had to build enough time to be able to fly for anyone. So Did most you say people FBO? do the F- FBO. That's a fixed base operator. Okay. So um, anytime you go into like Tampa International or Atlanta, on the other side, there's something called a fixed base operator, an FBO, where all the private jets fly into, and all the smaller airplanes yep. on the other side of the field. And I worked at one here in Tampa at Tampa Executive Airport called Skyport Aviation. And while I was working there, I was part time working at a flight school. And all the um, money that I earned at the flight school went towards my flight account so that I could fly. So, um, and I was working on getting my certified flight instructor certificate so that once I could get that, I could start earning money and building time at the same time. But while I was in the process of working on my flight instructor certificate, a friend of mine flew in and landed at that FBO and saw me working at the front counter and said, what are you doing behind the counter? You're supposed to be flying like me. And I said, oh, I'm working on my CFI, you know. And oh, well, apply, apply here. This guy takes low time pilots. We fly Cessna 172s and Piper Aztecs. And we do survey. We'll do aerial survey. How many hours? Oh, I only have 300 hours. Perfect. Submit. So I applied. I get a phone call. He says, hey, how soon can you start? Wow. And I was like, well, I have to give a two weeks notice. (laughs) And he was like, okay, so you couldn't be here tomorrow. And I was like, I would love to be here tomorrow, but I'm actually the customer service manager. So I would have to train someone. He said, well, I tell you what, I'll give you a month and you'll just come in at the new season. New season starts October 2017. I said, perfect. So I had one month to get all my affairs in order. (laughs) And because this job, you're full-time on the road. It's like being a truck driver. You get a duffel bag and a book bag and you don't come home for a year. Wow. It's like deployment. It's like deployment. (laughs) So, and that's how, that was my first. At the end of that year though, uh, Sasha, at the end of that year, you've got your, your CFI, I think you called it, right? Is that? So I did, I stopped getting my CFI, my certified flight structure certificate because I, because people get that to build time, right? Ah, so, I gotcha. And you're getting all your time with this new role for over the course of a year, flying the Cessnas and the Pipers with this new opportunity, right? Absolutely. So I ended up, I said, well, man, this is something I can't pass up. So I stopped doing my flight, stopped working on that, which is no big deal. I right. mean, 
it was just a, a kind of a, a means to build flight hours, right? Instead of paying for it out of pocket because it's, it's very expensive. Right. So I got that job being an aerial survey pilot. And that's exactly what I did. I packed my duffel bag and my book bag and I went to him in Louisiana and I did flight training for a couple of weeks. Right. And then they assigned me an airplane, a little Cessna 172. And they launched me and I stayed on the road for, actually, I stayed on the road for 13 months. And I got to come home one time because I had a project nearby. So that's what I did. And that was my first paid job as a pilot. And it was about the coolest thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, said, I'm, I'm, I just pulled up a Cessna 172 now. I, I think my uncle, I've only been up in a private plane once in my entire life. It's back when he would fly and he had one, a similar aircraft in a, uh, based in Augusta, Georgia. And he took me at one weekend, but it was so hot. We had to, we had to make it a short trip. Um, but what a, what a great um, uh, meet, almost like a chance meeting. You know, your buddy comes in sees what you're doing. Hey, check out this, this new role. And then in a month, you have this opportunity to earn all the hours you need and fly for a living, not, not take anything away from uh, customer service uh, roles because those are really important. But man, if you want to fly, I would assume you like being in the cockpit flying, right? Um, Absolutely. So let's talk now um, about when did you join Commute Air? I joined Commute Air in April of 2019. Okay. And how did that, um, how did they hit your radar and how'd you say, hey, this is what I want to do? So uh, it's kind of a funny story. I have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of full circle moments in my life. So that same friend, who landed at the airport and said, oh no, apply. He called me up and he said, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm starting to look for a job because I have enough flight time now, you know, and my contract with Skylands, it's ending. So um, I'm looking for a job. And he said, well, how about, how about you come over to the airline I'm at? And he was, I think he might've been in pilot recruiting at the time. Uh. And I said, you know, I, I think I'm going to go the corporate route. Because I had made being a customer service manager at an FBO, I made a lot of connections, right? I mean, I have met some of the coolest people and very, very well-known people that I have the funniest stories about. And they all and and they all give you their business cards and hey, you know, they try to connect you. And people really do. And I'm noticing about my parents' generation is that um they really, if they see a young person that's really in their grind and trying to hustle and trying to work their way through corporate America, you guys really do really well about reaching down and saying, here, here, I, let me be a resource. Let me be a connection. Let me help you out. And let me tell you, every time they walked in there, and at the time, I think I had started at Skyport when I was 22 years old. At the time, it was a young girl. You're a manager already. You're only 22. Oh, you fly airplanes? Here's this. Here's that. Well, let me help you. Let me this. So I collected. I kid you not. I had a, a Rolodex of business cards. I said, no, nah, I'm going to use one of my connections. I'm going to go try to fly for somebody like Waffle House, though. The president of Waffle House is the coolest guy I ever met. Maybe even rooms to go. So I, you know, maybe I'm going to try that. And he said, no, no, no. You want to come to the airlines. You want to come now. If you get to the airlines and you don't like it, use your connections to go corporate. But let me tell you, if you get to the airlines and you like it, it's a totally different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I called my dad, talked to my dad about it. 
And he said, well, I think he's right. I think you ought to give it a shot. So I applied. And a couple of weeks later, I got called for an interview. And then 2019, now it's 2022. Here I am. The rest is history. The rest is history. The rest is history. And uh, speaking of history, uh, again, you're setting, you're, you're making history. You're the only black female captain at Commute Air and the first to fly this aircraft that I had to look up called the ERJ-145. Now, yes, sir. from what I see, uh, as I look that up, it's an Embraer aircraft, if I said that right. And I'm a big yes, sir. aircraft nude. I was an uh, aircraft nerd. I was an Air Force, a military <laughs> aircraft. I'm a big nerd about. But um, as I look, up, look at this picture of the ERJ-145, you know, it's got the, the two, what, tail engines? I don't know what y'all call it in industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, engines, it's not the, yeah. Okay, so not on the wings, but it's <laughs> the two uh, engines on the back. Um, Mounted on the tail, yes. Yes, so a lot bigger <laughs> than the Cessna and the Piper aircraft that you flew earlier. Give us, um, as a pilot and, and uh, what you do, how much different is it flying? This might be a dumb question, but I'm curious. How much different is it flying you know, this bigger aircraft and have all these more people on board. And of course, it's a jet versus the prop jobs where you were flying for the survey company. Um, well, first, to me, there are no dumb questions. I okay. love all the questions. <laughs> I don't think there are any dumb questions, but very, definitely very different. So flying a piston engine versus flying a jet, they just handle differently because of just the size and the weight, right? So, I mean... That, it it was definitely adjustment because flying this jet, this is my first jet, first type rating. For those that don't know what a type rating is, anytime you fly any jet, you have to get something called a type rating to get certified to fly that particular airplane. Ah, So this was my first type rating, first jet, first type rating, first airline. Um, It was... It was an adjustment, you know, um, but at the regional level, that's what they expect. They bring in first officers where this is their first jet in their first type rating, and they know that it's going to be an adjustment. And Commute Air has an excellent training department. I mean, in my personal opinion, they are subpar to none. They have an excellent training department. They have excellent line check airmen. The line check airman is the person that will fly with you in the real airplane and teach you how to fly the actual airplane. I had excellent instructors. So um, it was definitely an adjustment, but I did not feel the pressure of having passengers behind me until I moved to the left seat. Gotcha, man. Um, and if I'm understanding you correctly, so if you, uh, you had to get a specific rating for this aircraft, if you went on to fly you know, uh, a jumbo jet, you'd have to get a specific rating for that specific model. Is that how it works? Yes, so if I wanted to go... Um, to the next level, right? So I kind of think of aviation as kind of like baseball to me. I'm a big baseball fan. Okay. So um, the regionals, the aircraft that I fly now, we're the minor leagues, right? We're the minor leagues. And then uh, United, Delta, American, Southwest, those are the big leagues. Those are the majors. So um, when if I move to the next level of going to a major airline that flies Boeing 737s or 757s or an Airbus 321, I would need a type rating. So I already have all of my certification to fly those airplanes, um, but I would need a specific type rating to fly that specific airframe. Gotcha. Okay. Speaking of uh, all those airframes, I read earlier this morning that uh, 
uh, now that folks are getting out and they're flying more, that some of the jumbo jets, some of the biggest aircraft that had been kind of put parked and put away for a while, that airlines are bringing them out and putting them back in service to handle the capacity. That's fascinating. It really is fascinating. Yes. Um, and I guess that adds to the maybe uh, adds to the prestige of those major leagues as, as maybe more incentive for you to keep. Uh, can you, could you imagine being at the uh, was it the A380 is a really big. <laughs> could you imagine being the pilot of an aircraft that big? Oh, my goodness. I haven't even that. That just seems like something. it would take. A, it would take more than a few years to get that ahead. But it's definitely on my list of goals. And my husband, oh, my husband's also a pilot. He's an airline pilot. And it is his goal to fly the biggest, the fastest, and the baddest there is out there. Love it. Love <laughs> and it. he talks to me all the time about that. But yes, yeah, so they parked a lot of planes during COVID, right? COVID hit everyone across the board. Like just every single industry was deeply impacted by COVID. And the airline industry took a huge hit, you know, before COVID, we were short of pilots, right? We were short of pilots. We were short of airplanes before COVID. Well, then COVID happened. And now these airlines were doing everything they could wait way beyond my, <laughs> my understanding. I'm sure doing everything they could to figure out how do we not shut down? Right. How do we not close the doors? How do we stay open? How do we break even? You know what I mean? So sure. what they did was, is that they offered early retirement to a lot of those guys that were going to time out. So 65 is the timeout age in the airline industry. So they offered early retirement and then they parked a lot of those airframes that they right. weren't using. We call it send it to the desert. That's what they say. <laughs> send it to the desert. So they sent a lot of those airplanes to the desert. They parted a lot of them out um, and they parked them. Well, now this summer we've, we've been operating at twice the amount of operations that we were before COVID happened. Wow. So if you think about that, just think about that. Like that's, that's probably one of those things that a lot of people don't really understand about what's going on in the aviation industry right now. We were short staffed before COVID. Now, a lot of people have retired and airplanes have been reparked during COVID. And now we're off, we're operating at double the capacity that we were before. Because there, so a lot of times there's so much more demand, right? Folks want to get out and they want to travel. They want to travel. They want to get out and it's like, so they're having to unpark those. They're, they're probably, they're having to get those planes out of the desert. And also they're having all the more reason to kind of circle back what we were talking about before, more camps to get more kids, right. more adults more interested, more pathway, more career pathway programs to get people interested in flying because there's a huge demand for pilots. I mean, mm. I, uh, I've been at Commute Air for three years, starting in April of 2019. And I am a captain. So to become a captain, you have to have a thousand hours minimum of qualified experience in that aircraft in the right seat before you can upgrade and become a captain in the left seat. Wow. Before 10 years ago, it would have taken 10 years ago, it would have taken five, anywhere from five to eight years of right seat experience before I could go to the left seat. And I truthfully would have gotten to the left seat sooner, except for I didn't fly for a whole year during COVID. I was, I was just sitting at home on call because they had nothing for me. So in all actuality, I have about two, maybe two and a half years of flight experience at this airline and I'm already in the left seat. 
that's just unheard of. What they need, they just, there's such a demand and there's such a need. So all these delayed flights, you may not have a plane, you may not have a pilot, you you may not have a flight attendant. I mean, there's a flight attendant demand. There's a baggage baggage handler demand, gate agent demand. I mean, it's unreal. So listeners, if you're looking for good jobs, industries that, of course, that continue to persevere, been around forever, will be around forever, check out the aviation industry. And if you want to fly, hey, look at what Sash is doing. Uh, and I want, to, I want to talk about that for a minute. Captain Shelton. That's got to be music to your ears, Captain Shelton. <laughs> uh, now that you've been able to move over to the left seat, um, what does it mean to you? And, and, and when I, because you, know, you, you are a role model, whether you like it or not, whether you look at it as, um, uh, the the only black female captain at Commute Air, or whether you look at it as a young person that has really moved up um, the chain and has um, you know in that left seat, you know from a multi uh, from multiple different perspectives, you're you're a role model. What does it mean to you? It means the world. I mean, it's it's hard to put it's hard to put for me to even express in words. I'll start with this. So the first to ever do it at Commute Air, her name is Dion Beckford Bryn. She's a United Airlines now. So she flew the Beach 1900 for Commute Air over 17 years ago. First and only. And then they, and then the, I think after the Beach 1900 Commuter Air, the Dash 8, there were none. And then there was the ERJ 145. Now, when I came to Commute Air, there were no black female pilots at all. So for two years, I was the only one at the company at all. Wow. And then after COVID, um, we got a couple of hires. So now there are two more. There's a total of three of us. And I've heard that there's one that's in the training department right now. I can't wait to find her and get to know her and meet her. But, you know, it's such a rarity to see a Black female airline pilot. There are less than 150 black female airline pilots. To give you a little perspective, I want to say Delta Airlines alone has roughly 12,000 pilots. Okay. They have, I think, six total black female pilots. I think six to eight. It's got, it's no more than 10. I know that for fact that there's no more than 10. So think about that. Like, there are less than 150, over 100,000 pilots in this country. There are less than 150. So that's less than 1% and less than 1% and then less than 1% again. So, I mean, there's a, there's a huge responsibility that I feel when I'm walking through that terminal. You wouldn't believe the overwhelming response of people, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, and it does not matter what they look like, male or female, I get stopped every single day to take pictures with people. I get stopped because they just don't see it. And I never, I never realized it until I put on this uniform and became an airline pilot. I never realized how rare it was. I just didn't, it just never registered because I was so focused on just flying and what it means to people to be able to see that representation representation really does matter. It changes the game. For me, it was always Stephanie Grant, right? And 
that's what I just never fully understood the magnitude to which it impacts people to see that representation across the board. And now that I'm a female captain at Commute Air, I mean, the response that I got, the response that I've gotten from my coworkers and the response that I've got even from management has been overwhelming. And it's just like, I mean, it fills me with a sense of pride. And at the same time, it fills me with a sense of responsibility and an obligation, a positive obligation to, to get more involved, to, to bridge that gap so that there can be more female aviators. There can be more aviators of color and just aviators in general. And I mean, it's truly a blessing to Mm. be in the position that I am, but I will tell you, I hope I'm not in this position for long because there's two coming up behind me and I can't wait for them to join to get that fourth stripe. You know, for me, I may be the only right now, but the goal is to not be the only for long. I love that. Uh, Gosh, we we could, we could easily have a, a three-hour conversation about just what you shared in the last uh, five minutes or so. Um, I, I've got a hunch with this next question, but I want to ask it. Uh, you, we've heard a lot about Stephanie Grant and the impact she's had on your career, of course, your, your folks. Um, but who else? What other role model that's really inspired you to do what you do? So my mentor, his name is Jared Hodge. He's a Delta Airlines captain and what, you know, role model Stephanie Grant at United. And she's a first officer for United. And Jared Hodge is my mentor at Delta Airlines. He's a captain there. He is really, I mean, he is ever since I met him as an instructor at that camp when I was 15. He was also one of my instructors at the camp that I did the following year. So I, I went back the next year and was um, sponsored to solo in a solo flight academy that Delta and OBAP together collaborated and sponsored me where I met my husband. (laughs) And um, we both got to fly an airplane in solo and fly it by ourselves. And I, um, he has followed me and stayed in touch with me from the time that I was 16 years old. And we have spoken every six months over the last 14 years. And he is every step of the way really just held my hand through the process. And a good mentor well, in this industry can make or break your career. It can excel your career. It can shorten it. I mean, a good mentor goes a long way. So, you know, I'm very grateful to have Jared as a mentor of mine. And I would say another one of my role models, the older I get, I mean, my mom, let me tell you something. My mom (laughs) is an outstanding woman. Like, she, so my mom, I, you know, Kim, Dr. Kim Moore very well. Right. And Dr. Kim and I, we have a wonderful relationship. I mean, she's got to be the best bonus mom out there. I'm not even joking you. She and I have a wonderful relationship and we love spending time together. And my mother, I know you don't, you don't know my mother, Anne. Um, she is, I don't want to get this wrong. She's the director of business systems and giving for Grace Family Church, the church that my parents all attend. And the older I get, the closer we get because she is just an outstanding human being. I mean, just the way she handles things with such grace, that's something that she's teaching me to work on right now is an extension of grace, right? And I mean, man, she is just, I call her, I'm grown and married and out of the house, doesn't matter. Mom, 
mom, same thing with my dad. You ask my dad, how many times I call him? Dad, I need help with this. Dad, I need help with my LinkedIn profile. Dad, I need help with my resume. Mom, I need help with you. To, I'm doing an interview, mom. Can you help me? Can you help prep me? And it's just like, you know, my parents, all of them are just, I lean on my parents so much. And I am just so blessed to have them. And the more, the more I get out into the world and being an aviator, I see a lot of the world and I meet a lot of different people. And I can say that people just don't have the parents that I have. Mm-hmm. And I am so blessed. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I just, I would say they, they're my roster. <laughs> they're my starting lineup for sure. And I'll, I'll, my, I'll make my husband on my starting lineup too. My parents and my husband are my starting lineup. Definitely. I love it, man. Um, all right. So uh, I, I really appreciate your approach to this conversation. Uh, I think all of us are, you know, you make others feel so good as part of your journey. And it almost like it's just part of who you are. Um, you're a very grateful individual as well. Just what you shared there about your folks, um, you know, gratitude is such an important part, I think, of our journey. Because as you pointed out, you look elsewhere around the world and gosh, we, we do have so much to be thankful for. Um, all right. So switching back for a minute about business. Um, if you think about commercial air travel and operations and, and, and all aspects of that huge industry, but you know it so much better based on what you do than others, what's one thing that might surprise some of our listeners about that industry? I would say the biggest surprise right now is just touching on people not really understanding just how um, short staffed the industry is. I mean, I'm constantly getting phone calls from friends and family like, my flight got canceled. Why did it get canceled? What's going on? What's happening? Um, People not really understanding what exactly is happening in the aviation industry right now. I would say that that is probably one thing that people don't really realize. Um, Another thing people, something that I didn't really realize is, uh, something you touched on at the beginning, how much cargo we move. I had no idea. I just thought we moved passengers. No, we move boxes. <laughs> um, so that's something. Um, but I would definitely say the biggest thing for me right now to stress to people is understanding of what's going on in this industry. And also how many different avenues there are to get in that cockpit. So many people stop me and say, man, I've always wanted to be a pilot. You told me that you always wanted to be a pilot. So you better believe that as soon as we get off this meeting, I'm going to blow your phone up and harass you about getting in the air. <laughs> I kid you not. By the by, this time next year, you're going to have your private pilot's license. Hey. Mark my word on that. <laughs> and and you, you did something to yourself. You thought, oh, I'm going to bring her on and I'm going to talk. You should have never told me you wanted to oh, get in the man. air. Oh, no, but I, I would love people to realize um, it's not that the road to, to getting in the cockpit is easy, but it's that the road to getting the cockpit is uh, attainable. Mm. You can do it. And I think people just don't understand quite how to. Um, and, and they see it and they're just like overwhelmed. Right. Right. right? And they think they think, oh, well, I'm too old. Not true. Oh, well, I, I don't have the right vision. Not true. Man, okay. Uh, I've got this. I've got that. I've got this. No, if you want to fly airplanes, we will get you flying. Okay. And that's something. So the way the industry is and how to get to that cockpit, I don't think people really fully quite understand. And well, I would like to help people 
get a full picture, I'd like to get more people flying. I yeah. really would. I love it. Um, going back to something you said uh, that your mom is helping you with, I think extending grace, right? I think with all what's going on and we're all, you know, this, this, at this point in, in civilization, you know, after, after the pandemic years and we're still fighting globally to get truly, you know, uh, with both feet in that post pandemic environment, you know, stress and, and just uh, all the frustrations, all that stuff. And then when folks fly, I, I don't want to overly generalize, but I think a lot of folks take it out on <laughs> those folks at the gates, you, you know, or, or uh, the air crew or what have you. We got to extend grace, I think, collectively to these folks, because to your point, so much is out of their hands. You know, there's limited capacity, whether we like it or not. And just like in global supply chain, sometimes things go wrong, right? And and that connection, you know, it's going to be three hours late or whatever. You know, it's just the nature of the global organism and ecosystem that is the airline industry. So let's 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 all agree to extend grace to the folks working hard to make things happen. Okay, so we've we're coming coming down a home stretch. We talked pre-show about eureka moments you know, it's kind of a standard go-to question i love you know i've learned so much from asking people their eureka moment um because we you know there's certain days where we there's 10 of them i don't know and those can be good days and that can be bad days but it's all about what we learn from those and how we apply it so to you uh captain shelton i want to ask you what's one of your favorite eureka moments from the last couple of years well so recently I was afforded the opportunity to be a part of our union. So um, we have Airline Pilots Associating Association, ALPA, and I was able to join the union on contract negotiations. Man. So I had an opportunity to be with the upper level management of our company, along with my colleagues, working up with them on the contract. And man, I learned a lot. I mean... You just, as an employee, you're like, I want this, I want that, I want more pay, I need more rest, I want better everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so going to contract negotiations, I really got to see the company's perspective on what they could and could not do um, as far as operations go and money and how we earn money, how we make money, how can we operate um, it gave me an opportunity to see management as humans, right? Because you always, you never, we never really see them. We just see them in emails here right. and there. It, it, it allowed me an opportunity to humanize them. And let me tell you, Commute Air's upper management is subpar to none. They are some of the most wonderful. When I tell you, I have never worked in a place where I could call our CFO or the head of HR or the vice president Hey, Sash, how's it going? What can I do for you? Wow. How about that? Of an airline, of an airline, right? That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. And um, being a part of the union, I really got to go to them. But I guess that moment of understanding how flight operations work and the ins and outs of scheduling, how many pilots we have to have, how many airplanes we have to have, how many flight attendants we have to have. Um, working within that scheduling, that's kind of, that's one of the things I just never understood how it works because as a pilot, all I care about is flying the airplane safely right. and flying the airplane well. Right. That's kind of my focus, right? So 
um, it really gave me an opportunity to see how scheduling works. Um, and with that being said, I would always suggest to people, if you're ever flying anywhere and you have a connection, take the first flight of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's outstanding advice and perspective. And, and touching on that scheduling thing, you know, I think as a supply chain nerd here, um, of course, we are uh, right, rightfully so consumed with planning and 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 by extension scheduling. You know, uh, scheduling is part of planning, but it, it is nothing short of a modern day marvel how all of these airlines, including Commute Air, go about the planning because it, you know it goes so far beyond just planning which aircrafts can be where. You know, all of the things that goes with that. You know, related to the cargo, related to the ground crew, related to the air crew, related to uh, just the gates and the space they're going to be at, related to the connections. It is nothing short than amazing. And whenever I go through, especially uh, Hartsville-Jackson International Airport in Atlanta, one, you know, most times of the year, it's the busiest. I think them in uh, Heathrow in London, sometimes I've seen them kind of go one or two, but typically Atlanta is the busiest it is amazing what goes on and the, what the people do day in and day out to, to move the rest of us in our cargo. So thank you on that. From that perspective, Captain Shelton, thank you for what you do. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here today to share your, uh, your fascinating backstory, uh, all the different points where your trajectory, you know, kind of changed a bit and sometimes in big ways, such as the, the Stephanie Grant moment that you'll never forget probably. And I bet she won't either. Uh, and then all you're doing now, you know, uh, which, you know, a poster child for the industry, you know, poster child for bringing, you know, recruiting pilots, uh, you know, joining a union, the business side of the industry. It, it's, you know, uh, we're going to need a whole series to get down to all the things you're up to, Sash. Um, how can folks connect uh, with you or with Commute Air? So for me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my dad and I have been working on on that. <laughs> so you can connect in with, with me on LinkedIn, uh, Sashri Shelton. I think it's my, I'm not sure how the, it's, I think it's just the regular LinkedIn slash Sashri Shelton. That's my URL on that. But yep. you could just type in Sashri Shelton um, or you can connect through my dad, James Moore. Um, you'll see him on there. Um, and as far as Commute Air, so Commute Air is on all social media platforms. Commute Air has Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, um, if you reach out to them, a um, HR department or recruiting department will get in touch with you. If you are in that phase of your career where you are um, close to reaching flight time to be able to apply at an airline, you can always reach out to me. I can connect you with somebody who is a pilot recruiter. I have a very good friend of mine. Um, her name is Emma. She's a pilot commuter at Commute Air. She's aware that I'm doing this. And I told her anybody that wants to get connected, I can send her way. Um, but you can also, even if you just want uh, tips on how to just get in the air. I would just say, wherever you live, get on Google and type in local flight schools. It's just and that easy. First, that easy. And a flight school will pop up. You'll click on that and you'll call that number and you will say, hey, I want to do a discovery flight. And it's going to be anywhere from 90 to to $100. And they're going to take you in an airplane for an hour. And you're going to go up there and you're going to say, I absolutely love this. This is what I want to do. Or are you going to say, this is not for me? <laughs> so start there. That's how you start. You just go ask for a discovery flight and that's how you start. But you can always reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'll do the best I can to get back to you as quickly as I can. Please be patient with me as I do fly a lot. 
Um, and you can also just um, reach out to Commuter as well if you are at that phase in your career where you're eligible for hire. It's just that easy. And we're going to make it even easier. Uh, all the links that uh, Sashri mentioned as part of the interview there in the last couple of minutes, we're going to put one, uh, we're going to put all the hyperlinks there in the episode page. So you're one, one click away from connecting with her, from connecting with Commute Air, uh, you name it. And, and she gave it for your, your potential pilots out there. If you're interested in that, just Google flight, local flight schools and ask for that discovery flight. You can learn a lot, probably not only about being a pilot, but a lot about yourself in those discovery flights. Um, Sashri Shelton, thanks so much for your time here today. Uh, I really appreciate it. As busy as you are, I love the uniform, by the way. Uh, our my, my friend, Justin Daniels, who's uh, engineers, he's great episodes here. That's one of his first comments. It is a sharp looking interview uh, uniform. It reminds me of my time in the Air Force. Um, although you're a captain, I was, I, you've got, uh, and I bet you've got the uh, the captain hat that probably commands a lot of attention and respect, right? I need to, I don't wear it though. <laughs> so it usually, that's usually something that you wear in the winter time. You wear the hat and the blazer in the summertime. It's just so hot. <laughs> so we, we all try to, we cash it down a little bit. Is that yeah. Right? In the summertime, you'll typically just see us in our, our white shirt with our epaulets and tie and our, and our dress slacks. And the winter you'll see the full hat in the uh the the blazer <laughs> love it uh all right well hey big thanks to uh our guests here today sashri uh shelton airline captain with commute air that's captain shelton to many other other than our parents it's captain shelton everyone else but i uh, loved i'll tell you what uh listeners loved her her point of view her expertise her journey her enthusiasm her her inspiring words i mean gosh you spent an hour with sash here uh, and and you're, you're going to want to feel like running through the brick wall or like the one behind me here. But whatever you do uh, to our listeners, hopefully you enjoy this conversation as much as I have. Uh, Scott Luton and the whole Supply Channel team challenging you to do good, to give forward. And hey, be like Sash here. Be the change that's needed in, across the globe. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Channel. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.